Happy New Year's Eve, everybody. It's Mel Hubbard here. It's Elon Daly. It's part of uh, the Talking Tesla network of shows. It's a network of shows, and it's going to be, continue to be a network of shows in the next year. Let's do some letters, okay? Let's start off with some letters because, you know, uh, the people. So the first one is from Aaron Morgan Atkin, and uh, Aaron says, I just saw your last daily episode. It's crazy they save on super small things like Homelink. I just traded in my 75D 2016 Model X for 2020 Model X, and to my surprise, when I was on a trip and wanted to charge uh, with a cable, guess what? No NEMA 1450 adapter. Asked Tesla, thinking it was a mistake, but nope! They said it's a new thing. If you want it, you shall buy it. Now, yes, Aaron, super annoying. I have yet to actually go check uh, what charging accessories I got, but this would sort of just be another example of skimping on the pate when you shouldn't do that. You know, it was great when you bought your Tesla. They gave you just a huge array of charging adapters so that you felt like pretty much wherever I go, I'm going to have the ability to charge. Here in the US, it's not so true in other countries, but here in the US, there is a dizzying array of adapters for 240 volt in particular. So having those different uh, chargers in the trunk of the car made you feel like "Eh, pretty much wherever I go, I'm going to have an adapter for that. Now, if you're one of those people that goes out and about and doesn't charge on the supercharger network, you're going to have to uh, stop, look, and buy to get the full array. It's upsetting. Mm, It's upsetting. Another letter here from Matt Chinander. Matt Chinander? I think that is. So, he says this. Look, I'm looking to get my first Tesla. uh, Long-range, all-wheel drive, Model 3 in the next few months. But I'm waffling back and forth about leasing or purchasing. Did you lease your Model 3 and not purchase it? One thing that I'm wanting to do after I get the Model 3 is to make a couple of modifications, such as Chrome Delete, upgrading the interior lighting. Would be hesitant to do this in a lease. Also, I don't like the fact that there is no purchase option at the end of the Model 3 lease. Because of those things, the lack of ownership, and it's only about $115 a month cost different, doesn't seem like leasing is a good way to go, at least for me. Are these valid concerns? Or do the benefits of leasing outweigh them? For context, I release my current car. What are your thoughts? Not sure if you've spoken about leads versus purchase on the daily before, but curious to know your thoughts. Well, I'll tell you my thoughts, Matt. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. In general, and this is not true in the rest of the world, leasing here in the US is really common. And usually three years. And then you also have to choose how many miles. Like It's usually extended, so 10,000 miles, 12,000 or 15,000 miles. And at the end of your lease, what you get is a residual value that you can then buy the car out or you just hand it back in and they take it off to the secondhand car market and you get yourself another one. In the past, I've always just bought the car because the cheapest way to own a car, which is a depreciating asset, the cheapest way over time is to buy and hold, to keep that car for as long as you can, for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. That is the cheapest way to own this depreciating asset. Leasing is nice because if you like to get a new car every few years, it's a great way to do it because it keeps that monthly cost down because you don't pay off the whole car. You're basically paying off just the difference between what you bought it for and the residual value. Now, it's actually the most expensive way to own a car because you do that constantly and you never get any equity in the car. And so, although it's nice to have a new car every three years, generally three years is what the leases are, It is the most expensive way over the long term to own a car. 
And as Matt has suggested here, the other downside is is that if you read the fine print of the lease, it basically says don't do anything to your car. Don't uh, do any twiddly bits. Or if you do do twiddly bits that might actually increase the residual value of the car, they're keeping it. So if you screw in some brand new speakers, uh, if you unscrew them and try and take them away and leave a little mess there, they're going to charge you for that. If you put on super duper brand new sort of sexy stuff on there, they're not going to give you any extra residual value for that car. They're just going to say, oh, well, that's on you, buddy. So if you're a tinkerer who wants to do stuff for the car in general, it's better to buy the car than to lease the car. And it's also true what Matt says here. Last year, I think, um, they first stated that you're not going to be able to buy the car at the end of the lease. And they said that's because they want to put all of these cars that they're producing now out at the end of the lease, they'll have full self-driving done and they want to put them on their own Tesla network. So they'll become Tesla cars on the gigantic Tesla Uber-like rideshare network that it's autonomously driving people around. Now, whether they'll actually get there in three years, we'll see. You know, we've talked about that in the last couple of days. These new visualizations you see if you have the uh, version 3 of the hardware look pretty good and make you think, well, actually they might get there in three years. So there some of the issues. So you can't buy this thing. So you can actually pay down the value of that car. And in the past, you could just like buy it and say like, well, I've had this for three years and I've spent $20,000 on this thing. And I want to buy it for whatever the residual value is. That was a pretty good option. And a lot of people would do that. And I certainly have done that in the past. I have leased in the past and bought it. Now I'll tell you my specific thing is I actually leased the Model 3. And I leased it because of purely financial reasons. So I have the tax accountant, lawyer person. I use my car probably 50% of the time for work, 50% of the time for just myself. And so it's a business lease. And for tax reasons, that was sort of better. And so here in the US, you can tax deduct some of that expense against the business. And so it gets very complicated. And I don't really understand it. I specifically actually asked the accountants, do I really need to do this? Because the fact is... I would rather buy the car for all of the reasons that we've talked about. I buy the car and I can keep it for a long time if I'm liking it. I can do stuff if I want to to it. And if I want to get rid of it earlier than the lease, and this is something that came up in the Model S, if I want to get get rid of it earlier than, say, the three-year lease, you can just trade it in. You can just sell it. Whereas on a lease, in general, it's really hard to get out of a lease. Now, there are some programs that try to get around that. But in general, much more of a hassle to get out of a lease than it is to get out of something that you own. So in general, I think it's better, particularly for technology that changes very fast. And this is assuming you've got the cash to do this. But the Tesla technology is changing very fast. You might want to turn it over every couple of years, every two years. And every now and then they might come out with something where you're like, okay, that's the car I really want. And for me, the Model Y is an example of that. The Model 3 is a great car. I mean, it is an amazing car. I love that car. But I really think the Model Y is the car that I've been looking for for the last 30 years. It's small. It's a hatchback. It's got normal back doors, unlike the X, and it'll have long range. Now, if they come out with a Model Y and they do some extra twiddly bits like extra long range, instead of being what they're talking about now is a max of around 300, if they put the new batteries in, if they do some other stuff and they come out and say, well, you know, the Model Y is a 400 mile range car and it's got the hatchback and it's got that form factor, then that'll be like, for me, the perfect car. And I'll take my Model 3 and I will sell it. 
because I have two Model 3s. I have a Model 3 that I planned on keeping for a long time, so I bought it. Um, one of the first ones that came out, uh, rear wheel only, and I have a leased Model 3. So I would take that bought Model 3 and I would trade it in and get a Model Y. And I like the idea that I've got a car there that I can just do that and I don't have to try and get out of the lease. And I also at this stage feel pretty good about that because you know we need to get the cost of electric cars down. That's not going to happen for a while except through secondhand cars. So I feel good about it because that will put another car on the market that's significantly less than what I bought it for, which may mean that family down the road will be able to get themselves a really nice, well-looked-after, long-range Model 3 at significantly less than a new one. And you could call that a rationalization, and you'd probably be right, but I think it's also still true. So everybody's situation is different. But it seems to me, Matt, if you want to do some stuff to your car and you potentially are going to keep this for a long time, and we're pretty comfortable that these batteries are going to last for many hundreds of thousands of miles. So it's a kind of a good thing, and certainly financially the best thing to do is buy and hold. Then um, I would suggest you just buy the thing. Just buy it. The difference in the price of leasing versus buying is not so much that it's going to hurt your pocketbook too much, and you're saying about 115, and that doesn't sound like that's something that's going to hurt you too much. I'd probably just buy the dang thing. But let me be very clear. I am not a financial advisor. You should speak with your accountant and financial advisors before you make such a big decision. I will not be held responsible after you make a decision because I'm telling you, I don't know what I'm talking about. Colin Ross sent a little note. He's a patron, so he's extra special. And he said that, and he was commenting actually on a a post that I put out there about my Las Vegas trip from Richard Bergman saying that the new visualizations and new uh, lane changing is so much better in the current version of the software. And Colin was saying, like, I agree. I totally agree. The new software, the 2019.40, is way better than before. And i got to say, I actually don't find that. It's interesting right now. The visualizations and everything are fine. But like Tom, I find that when the car is going around corners now, it's gone back a little bit where it seems to sort of flow in between the lines much more. And the last iteration, it was super smooth. I'm just finding it's a little less smooth. But, you know, Richard and Colin say, no, no, you're wrong. It's way better. Michael Smith has sent me a note and said, I should have said this before, he was there getting a, picking up a Model 3. He was there with another guy. They were picking up their car at the same time, even though they'd ordered the same car about four weeks apart. So, you know, they're a bit uh, constrained in terms of the deliveries and the production, no doubt. I was actually just reading today that they don't think that Tesla is actually going to beat the record at the end of the year. And because of that, they're talking about a collapse of the stock price. And, you know, again, you got to be so careful about reading these things. These could be short sellers and, you know, all that stuff. And they talking about, you know, the price is going to go from what it is now, I think is over $430 a share. It's going to go to like 200 when they don't make this. Elon did send out an email to the employers saying, look away from the stock price. This is a volatile thing. It doesn't mean much. What you should be focusing on is, you know, production, making the cars as good as we possible, making the consumer experience as good as possible, getting these cars out. And the reason he's saying that is because it is very volatile. It is going to go up. It's going to go down. It's super high right now. I do expect that in January or in the first quarter next year, when sales go down, because that always happens, it's winter, the last of the tax credits has gone away, it will go down again. And you've got Model Y coming. So it might be actually quite a terrible month in the first quarter. And so the stock price will go down substantially. 
actually. And that can freak the people out at Tesla because they all get options to buy the stock. And so a lot of them are, I think, extra focused on that. And they shouldn't be. should be thinking about this for the long term. In the long term, this stock, I think, is going to go up substantially. It's a little overheated right now. It's the second or third most valued car manufacturer right now. Toyota is number one by far. It's about $250 billion. And maybe uh, Volkswagen is second and Tesla third, something like that. It's certainly bigger than Ford and GM in terms of market cap right now, even though it makes a fraction of the number of cars. So the stock market, it's a bit of a game. And it is New Year's Eve, and I hope you're all going to have uh, some fun tonight. What I like to do on New Year's Eve is go to bed at 8 o'clock. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Not a big rage. I sometimes, sometimes try and stay up to watch the East Coast uh, ball drop in New York City, which occurs at 9 o'clock on West Coast US time. But even that is a stretch for a man of my advanced age. i got to tell you, I'm excited about 2020. I'm excited about all the things we could see from Tesla this year. Let's go through some of the things we're going to see. We're going to see Model Y. That is, to me, huge. So exciting. We should see the Roadster. We should see the Semi. We should see a gigantic refresh for S and X. We should see probably a substantial increase in the mileage on the Model 3 and the Model Y is my guess with the new battery technology. We're not getting Cybertruck this year, but we're also getting something that I'm as excited about as anything, frankly, and that is Starlink putting up a tremendous number of satellites. And I'm excited about that for what it means for middle income and low income countries across the world to get fast internet access if they keep that price down. That's really, really, really important. I am concerned, though, that this is going to screw up viewing of the night sky, as we've talked about many times here. And so hopefully they're going to find that some sort of matte black finish is really going to help that. I'm also thinking, I'm also thinking it's going to be a tremendous year for Tesla Energy, Tesla Storage, Tesla Solar. And this is where Elon says that he wants to focus this year, 2020, is on really pushing that technology forward, getting the prices down. And again, if they've found some significant improvement in battery technology, I'm not going to say a breakthrough because, you know, it's just an improvement in the technology, then that also, that part of their business could grow substantially. If they can drop the cost of uh, big battery storage by, say, 50% because of the stuff they're playing with, that could be absolutely huge. And I got another email here, and this is from David Platt, and he said, uh, kudos to Time Magazine naming Greta Thornburg Times 2019 Person of the Year. And that gives me some hope as well. There is this huge group of kids, unfortunately, it's kids, Gen Zers, that are really concerned about the planet and that are actually doing something pretty active about it. And Greta has gotten lots of criticism from the fossil fuel industry and from the right for some reason. But I'm excited about it because it takes a few people, a few people like her and Elon, to get a movement together, to get really people thinking and talking and yelling and whatever it is. And she's that person. And I really hope that she can sustain this. I hope the movement can sustain it because this has got to happen. We've got to do this radical change to new technologies, to a new way of thinking about what we eat, what we use for energy. But I think we can do it. And here in the US, 2020 is obviously a big election year. I would say it's probably the biggest election that I've ever been involved with, whether it's Australia or the US, ever. This is a big deal. We've said that, you know, if you're well healed in the bank account, 
you should buy electric cars and solar panels. And uh, if you own a corporation, you should try and help your employees do that. And you, you should personally be taking responsibility for the way we live and the fact that now we realize that it's really destroying our environment. We need to do that. But if you can't do that, or in addition to that, the most important thing you can do is vote. And I get really annoyed at people who are saying voting doesn't matter. They're all the same. Well, I think the last three years have shown that they're not all the same. The big-time policies from big-time governments make a difference. They truly make a huge difference. Yes, there's some stuff around the margins that doesn't change very much. And yes, you can be cynical and say that because of the way the money flows through governments and from corporations and stuff, that the entire system is not about the people. It's sort of a corrupt in general. And, you know, obviously that's all true. But at the same time, it is true. It matters who is in your government. And I hope that we get to a point where something like, you know, developing renewable energy stops being a partisan issue. What we should be arguing about is the best way to do it. Market forces versus government. That's what we should be talking about. But the basic underlying facts of why we should be doing that shouldn't be in dispute. But for some reason, well, we know the reasons. This is purely partisan and it's ridiculous. And so we should be trying to talk about this in non-partisan ways, just discussing the best way to get to where we need to go, which is a radical transformation. And using the market versus using government, that should be the discussion. So in 2020, the most important thing you can do for the environment is choose the right candidate. And I'm hoping here in the US that both sides of the political spectrum get the fact that over 75% of people now here in the US are really anxious about climate change. 75% going across party lines. 75%. And so therefore, as a candidate, you better have a real solution for that anxiety because as we continue to see the fires in Australia and the effects of global warming, which are not 30 years away, that are right here, right now, getting worse all the time, as people see that more and more frequently, that 75 is going to go to 80 to 90, and that is going to make people vote in particular ways. And so that's one of the things that I'm excited about this year, that maybe, maybe whoever gets elected is going to have the weight of that pressure from people like Greta, from people like Elon, and from the voters about changing the way we live in 2020. I choose to be hopeful in 2020 because it is a choice and we have to have that hope. And there's a lot of good things happening. Let's focus on that in 2020. And we'll be doing that here on Elon Daily on Talking Tesla. We're going to expand things out on behalf of Rob and Tom. We really thank you for listening to the show. We really thank you for supporting the show. This is a hobby. It takes lots of time, but we love to do it because we want to be part of the conversation. So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, enjoy your New Year's Eve and enjoy your new year. There is a ton of stuff that we'll be covering in 2020. It's the year that for the last three years, all the manufacturers said they're going to come out with their brand new stuff. <gasps> we'll see. We'll see. I think Tesla will be crushing it. Not so much the other car manufacturers. Oh, oh, oh. And I should say, it really wouldn't be a sort of summary of the year if we didn't finish with a bit of ABBA. ABBA. <laughs> 